0: Hello everyone and welcome to Ian Hates Conversations. My name is Ian and this is going to be a fun one. On tonight's episode, I have Benny Scholl of Avoid Void joining me. Their debut album Alone came out very recently through Revival Recordings and it is a great heavy album you gotta check out. Now, listen in as I try to keep my energy up with Benny and fail miserably. But before that, let's play a track off Alone, a very appropriate track. Here's Hate Me. Enjoy. All right, everyone, and welcome back to Ian Hates Conversations. I am very excited because tonight I have Benny of A Void on the phone right now. Benny, we talked a little bit off air, but let's do this again. How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great, man. How are you?
0: I'm not too bad. I know we had talked, you are outside pacing around while you're talking to me. I am stuck sitting down in my hot ass studio right now. So Oh, that's brutal. How hot is it there? It's 90 plus right now?
1: Nope. <laughs> Fuck that.
0: Exactly. Now, I've had this conversation a couple times because we've been, we've been going through like a major heat wave. I love the heat. I'm from Texas. I hate the humidity. And I know you're in Seattle right now. Now, you have to deal with a fair amount of humidity, right? None. Absolutely oh, wow. zero. I had no idea. Tell me yeah. a little bit about
1: Seattle because obviously I know nothing. No, Seattle, honestly, if you like fair weather, mm-hmm. it is the best place to be. It doesn't get too hot and it doesn't get too cold. It's like, I mean, it, it rains a lot. The summers here are gorgeous. The summers are usually like 80 to 90 degrees with a nice breeze and we're, cause we're right by Puget Sound. We have a big, right. I'm like in Seattle. So we have a big lake and we have the ocean on each side of us. So there's always like, water breeze it and so it's just it's always nice i mean it gets a little chilly but it's just rainy and when it's fall and spring sometimes it's just like gray all the time and it's not like downpour like you get in the south where it's like fucking crazy it's just like misty it's like a nice little drizzle at all times it's never like i don't know some people don't like it but i love it so listening to you right now you sound pretty
0: energetic so my question yeah. yeah my question would be then so i guess that like the depressing weather doesn't get to you as much oh no it does i just have a lot of energy (laughs) (laughs) gotcha and you saying that brings up the point that i'm very sad about and that is that i've never had a chance to see you guys play live i would imagine you know besides music videos i would imagine that you bring a ton of energy to the stage
1: We like, we like to have a very, we want it to just be interactive. Our whole goal is to make every single person in the room feel like they're a part of the show, whether they want to mosh and jump, or if they're the kind of people that just want to chill in the back and just vibe to the music, we just want to make sure that we can touch everyone. So we try and bring an energy that's very inclusive at all times.
0: Right. Now, does that mean you like to go out into the audience and mosh around and sing as well?
1: (laughs) Uh, I will do if I anything I can climb, anything I can stage dive off of, anything. It's you never know what you're gonna get.
0: Very cool. Now, uh, we're gonna get into this a little bit more. I do have a question when you talk about things you climb on. Now I remember, you know, seeing bands like Taproot, you know, very new metal. Just yeah. Steven used to just jump off of everything. If there was a second or a third floor on whatever venue he was playing, he was jumping down into the crowd. Is that the kind of thing that you do? Have, do you have an idea of like the highest thing you've jumped off of?
1: I definitely, when it comes to jumping off of things into the crowd, I mean, your, boy, your boy's close to 200 pounds. So I don't necessarily <laughs> always trust the crowd.
2: Sure. So it's anything thing
1: more than them. So I like to more so just climb things and sing on them, but then separately just do a ton of stage dives just off the stage. Because uh, then if they miss, it's not that bad. Right, right. Yeah, you got
0: to think about yourself a little bit here.
1: Yeah, you always got to think about the future. Live in the moment, but also be like, if you fall off that and it goes horribly, that's going to fucking suck.
0: Yeah, that is very true. You have to take into account, you know, the mass of people that are there as well, the ones that can actually catch you. That would be a really good Exactly. Thing. Yes.
1: If it's like, if you're playing the show and it's more of a younger audience. That are more female, you know, they're probably not gonna be able to catch 200 pound dude jumping on them.
2: (laughs) And I respect that. And I appreciate them
1: for being there. And I won't jump on them.
0: That's right. And that is a good way to be. And you should put that on a t-shirt. I respect you and I'm
1: not going to jump on you. If you're, if you're like, we have like a weight bar that comes in, like you have to get weighed and like measured every time you come in, like you have to stand here, you have to stand here, that's the splash zone, like we fucking coordinate them or something. That'd be Uh, so funny.
0: That would be actually really good. So I have to ask because like I mentioned, I have not had a chance to see you live yet. It's something that I mentioned to a few bands that have been on the show recently. How do you, because I know you have experience, you know, tour managing. Do you have experience with tour booking as well? Because you don't seem to come all the way to the East coast. I'm in Boston. I haven't seen you guys anywhere near this area.
1: We have, well, we played in Pennsylvania is the closest we've
0: been. Yeah, right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. We haven't gone up into the, uh, into the Northeast yet and, I guess the biggest thing is we just haven't found it's just we haven't found the right tour that routes us over there in the right way okay. like to get into the nitty gritty I mean it's just being on tour it always it's always sucks with the routing because I know a lot of bands feel the same way about Seattle is it just so tough to get up here
2: Uh, depending
1: on just you have to have the right market and you have to the markets are hit and miss and us being all the way from on the west coast getting over to the northeast you just have to you have to have the right you have to know the right bands because the roads are so fucking expensive to drive on over there
0: very true yeah lots of tolls yeah and obviously like you said you're coming from a very far distance probably the farthest you can get Without being in Alaska or, you know, pretty like, much. Yeah, Canada or something. So that makes total sense. But yeah, I'm always interested. I think the audience also is interested in how that kind of stuff works. Is it a goal of yours to be able to hit? It? Like, is there any place in the States that you've been looking forward to playing?
1: We, I'm really, I really do look forward to going up to the Northeast because I've just heard nothing but good things about the Boston scene and the New York scene. And we haven't played in Philly yet. We've only played over oh, yeah. in the Pittsburgh area. Right. Well, We played in Easton, but I've heard nothing but good things just about the big cities up in the Northeast, like Baltimore too. And I've really look forward to getting up there and we definitely will be there next year. Cause now that we don't have a record to work on anymore, yeah. the only thing that's on our mind is touring and touring nonstop.
0: Very cool. And Obviously, we are going to really deep dive into the new album alone because I have been rocking that for such a long time. So we're going to get to that. But because we're talking about touring, I also wanted to mention, I know or I believe you guys are off to London at the end of the month, right? That uh, it's
1: so funny. This is the second time this has happened. Oh no! It's unfortunately, not. Oh. There's another. I guess there's another avoid over there. I think it's. I haven't figured out who it is yet. But there's this band from France called A Space Void, and I think that our bands in town or whatever it is that links up to where it shows our tour dates keeps yeah. getting mixed up with them. Oh. Because we keep having all these dates in London and Germany and all this <laughs> random shit pull up, and we're like, fuck, that'd be cool.
0: Yeah. That'd be really cool because what's weird is it also links up to like revival's website. So it's not yeah. even like the a space, you know, void or however I know there's, I think there's an avoid with a period at the end of it too. There's something weird with that, but it's just weird that it transfers to every part of it because yeah, I could have sworn that that was you guys.
1: Yeah, no, it was it definitely, we, it, we've been asked, it's been asked multiple <laughs> times. And it sucks because we really, really want to. We, uh, We we get a lot of love from Germany, so shout out to them. And we really, really want to go over to Europe and do the damn thing over there. It's just again, it's so damn expensive.
0: Yeah. I guess that would be yeah, that would be kind of tough. And you're right. You've got that heavy new metal, heavy rock sound, and that stuff goes over really well in Germany. So that makes total, total sense. So is that like is that a goal then? Is to try and get overseas at some point?
1: Oh, it's a huge goal of ours and probably not next year because next year we're really focusing on just hitting every single city in the U.S. we can possibly hit, whether it's a big city or a small town. We just want to play everywhere we can here on our home turf and yeah. then maybe 20, 2020 get over to Europe and do a big tour over there would be would be awesome.
0: Very cool. And like we had just mentioned, I'm just going to keep on hitting topics here. We yeah. <laughs> We went ahead and we started talking about Alone, which is yeah. the brand new album out on Revival Recordings. It's your debut full length album. And you mentioned obviously you're from Seattle and you did your CD release party show, what, like a couple days ago? Yeah, Sunday night, two days ago. Very cool. Now, you got to tell me, I mean, I'm assuming that's kind of a surreal experience for you. Shit, man.
1: That was the best night of my life. Very like, cool. No lie. That was the best night of my life. That <laughs> just. There's so many people came out and it was just nothing but love and nothing but good energy. And we uh, we put no one, nothing but bands that we really wanted to have on the bill, on the bill. And it was just it felt like a giant bro show, you know, like everyone that was playing, everyone that came to because we we tried to get close with everyone that comes to our shows. And a lot of the people are just friends, you know, like yeah. we've just we're very social. And so it's just like it just felt like a giant party, you know. It was like so many of our friends and so many of our friends' bands, and it was just a giant party, and it was nothing but love, and the love we received that night was just incredible. So, yeah, just best night of my life.
0: That is very awesome to hear. Now, when you do a show like that, do you actually play alone front to back, or do you pick and choose what tracks you're going to play?
1: We we pick and chose because we wanted to – the biggest thing with our live shows, and we will be playing the slower songs, but we love to play all the fast songs. Right, and we right. wanted to. We wanted to just. We we did play. We played like thoughts of you, and we played bloom, which are probably slower. But sure. Sure. we didn't. We didn't play shapes or buckshot at the show, which are probably the slowest songs on the album.
0: Right. So you played finish line then. I'm assuming. Oh
1: yeah we we end with finish line now in the set, and it's just the funnest song to end on.
0: That is very cool. Now, my question to you would be, because I did want to talk about that, that's the shortest song on the album, but it's also probably the most aggressive, I I would guess anyways, from listening through. Yeah. Did you have a debate on whether or not you should open the show with that or close with it?
1: We've done both. Okay. Yeah. So like when we were uh, when we did those warp tour dates and the shows we did this summer, we opened with finish line and so yeah, now we're for, for the fall stuff we wanna end the set with finish line.
0: Ah, very cool. All right, you're able to switch it around and still get that kind of same reaction then.
1: Yeah, it's a perfect opener or closer because it's just nothing but energy.
0: On that note, your label mates, Alteris, actually mentioned that that when they were on the I think it was the Ohio warp tour date that you guys were doing i think it was zach said that he was able to catch your set and he said that you guys killed it
1: fuck yeah well much love to them and we caught their set that day too and those guys are they're a great band and they're awesome guys and we've we've uh, gotten to hang out with them a few times now and we've had literally just so much fun with them
0: very cool yeah that's always good to hear when label mates are able to get along and enjoy each other's
1: music that is
0: always definitely good to hear
1: we really, we are, we're friends with most of the bands on the label. And yeah, I really, I have nothing but good words to say about all of our label mates. Seriously. the Like that's the coolest thing that I think about revival is the diversity. Like, oh yeah. It's, there's so many different genres and there's so many different moods and feelings that you can get from all the different bands on the label. And I think that that's fun. And being one of the heavier ones, I feel like we're one of the outcasts, quote unquote, but uh. we're not because everyone's always, no one everyone's just shown us love you know it's just it's all love
0: that's great yeah i remember when doing the weekly ian hates music show when we would talk about the singles that you guys were putting out we were always a little bit surprised especially with all the changes that revival has made over the years we were kind of surprised of how heavy you were compared to the rest of the lineup but it's always good to have a band like that i think
1: yeah, it's it's really cool and I especially knowing with the way that they're trying to make that label go go and I'm nothing but supportive of it, but it's really cool that they take a that they really have faith in a heavy band to be on this label. Oh
0: yeah, for sure. So let's go back to Warp Tour for a second. How many dates of Warp Tour did you actually do? We did fuck, it was three or four. And then were you like at the booth for some of the other ones as well? Because I could have sworn I saw like seven or eight. Yeah, we were
1: at we were at all the dates that revival was at besides okay. Charlotte and Atlanta. Ah, and we were we were out doing the tour with them. We were working the line, helping them work the tent, you know, just networking a lot. We I we were fortunate to have a, some friends on the tour too. Mm-hmm. So it was just so we were just kind of just being social, making connections for those first couple days and then we made the right connection and they gave us a spot on the uh, Transform stage and right. we got to play a few days and it was fucking unreal, man.
0: That is very cool. So yeah, I guess I know it's a cliche question, but what did it mean to you to play that final, you know, touring Warp Tour?
1: It meant a lot. I, I Warp Tour is a huge part of my development into alternative music mm-hmm. and wanting to perform and wanting to be a part of this. And I remember just growing up going to that festival before I was even in a band. And so then on the farewell tour to have my band play it, but yeah, just I, it, you can't even put that feeling into words. It's just right. like it feels so surreal. Well,
0: when you were there and you were kind of soaking everything in, besides Alteris, were there any other bands that you were like, hey, I know we're networking here. I know we're working, but I have to see this band play.
1: Every time I die was probably a collective one for all of us. We are all huge E-Tid fans. Yeah. So we all kind of went out of our way to watch Every Time I Die every day. Them and Don Broco. Oh, yeah. Don Broco is the best fucking
0: band in the world. Oh,
1: my God.
0: I was very surprised because I had seen them when they were on tour with our last night. Yep, I wasn't sure what to expect, and then they blew me away. So when I was at Warped Tour, I was like, "Not only do I need to go see them live, but I also had Rob on the show as well."
3: Oh shit! Yeah,
0: and they're just really nice guys too. That's that's really cool to hear.
1: I really, I'm a huge fan of that band, and I've I've been following them for a minute, and it's just been really cool to just see them blow because they're ginormous in europe so it's just so cool to see them blow up in the u.s and yeah love that band and so they were one that i i went out of my way every day to go see and then chelsea grin was oh, one yeah. that we all re- the new chelsea grin with tom from ex ashore now as their vocalist yeah yeah fuck man they killed it every single day
0: now did you see chelsea grin with the original lineup before
1: Oh, yeah, I've seen, yeah, we've, all of us are, we've all followed Chelsea Grin for oh, a minute. Oh, okay, all right.
0: Yeah. So, was there any opinion on what you liked better?
1: I do like the new stuff better. Oh, okay. Just because, yeah, I I wasn't, I was never a big fan of Alex's vocals, mm-hmm. just, just as a from taste. I just, I've always liked the band, and I've always thought he was an outstanding frontman, but as far as musical taste goes, I've just never been a fan of his screams and the way he does his vocals. And I love Lorna Shore, and just hearing that mixture of the instrumentals of Chelsea Green and his vocals were just really cool.
0: No, I totally agree. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing them. I thought initially, and I only saw them once, but when I saw the new singer, and I saw the new setup, it seemed like maybe there wasn't the chemistry there yet,
1: but in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely see what you mean.
0: But I got to say, I very much enjoyed the new album compared to
1: some of the past albums. Yeah, I was a big fan of the new album, and it was just, the breakdowns hit so hard live, and Pablo is such a great drummer. True. He just shreds.
0: No, that is very, very true. Yeah, wow. Okay. So, anyone else at Warp Tour by any chance? Uh, it was
1: really cool to see. Uh, we were on a couple of days that Knocked Loose was on. And ah, nice. just seeing how that band has come to be one of the biggest bands in the alternative music scene. And just, they had like the biggest crowd at Warp Tour the whole day. Yeah. Everyone was singing their words. And it was just, I remember seeing Knocked Loose like three years ago at a tiny little local show in Seattle with. I fucking never forget who even played it, but just seeing the growth, right? I just love—I just love it when a band when a band works really hard and makes it. It makes me really happy.
0: Yeah, they became probably the most well known hardcore band out there right now.
1: Oh yeah, they are changing that scene, and then to be able to have old school bands like tear open for them. Oh yeah, is that's that says miles, especially because the hardcore scene can be a little bit more. No, I, w- I don't want to say close-minded, because I love the hardcore scene, but they love their hardcore, and they love their, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yes, I totally get it. It's, it's more like, in that particular scene, you kind of have to pay your dues a lot yeah. more, so to have a band almost, because it's not that they're new, they've been around, but they hit mainstream quicker than any other hardcore band I can think of.
1: Yeah, and it was just like, that album came out, and they blew up overnight. Yeah. Like,
0: insane. Yeah, that's very true. So, when you're talking about all these different bands that you enjoy, when you're looking for a tour to go out and, you know, do your thing over the states, are you looking for more bands that sound in similar genres to yourself? Are you looking for
1: something that's completely different? Well, it yes, we we will both. Okay. We love both. We just we like to play shows with cool people. Okay. And closing out and i the biggest we've toured with so many different styles of bands and so many different bands and everyone is cool you know it good, doesn't matter what good. genre they are it doesn't matter what they are i mean you can just like so i think you meet cooler you just meet everyone through different genres so we love we whether it's a pop punk tour a death metal tour uh whatever it is we are more than likely open to it as long as everyone on the tour is cool because we're here to have a good time
0: right exactly yeah i mean Talking to you and knowing the band for a while, I would say for sure, you guys kind of exude that fun kind of atmosphere.
1: Dude, we just love positive vibes, positive energy. That's all we're about.
0: So then, let's get into Alone. A little bit here. So when you talk about fun and you talk about positivity, I love the album. I think you already know that. I've talked about it on social media. I thank been, you so
1: much. Man. Oh, yeah.
0: I've been extremely impressed with how much I really enjoy it and other people, I'm seeing nothing but good things, which is awesome. So the question though is it's a heavy, aggressive album. The lyrics are like punch you right in the face. So how does that like how do you change that positivity into those lyrics and that sound?
1: So a lot of our lyrics are come from so uh, I, I write a majority of the lyrics, but mm-hmm. our guitarist Nick and our bass player Jason are a big part of the lyric writing process as well. Okay. And we kind of come in where I kind of write a shell. And we, and, and I revise it and I get what my draft that I really like the lyrics Mm -hmm. and we either, we either keep it, we take some parts and, you know, and then everyone kind of adds their two cents in. And, but uh, a lot of the reason why we started playing music and where we get a lot of our inspiration from is our mental health states, which are not the best a lot of the time. And so uh, writing these songs and writing this album, this band is a way for us to kind of get away from it. Like right. we even talk about it every single time we go on tour. The second we get home, we just get so depressed because we just want to be out playing music. And so, music is our escape from our sadness and our bad thoughts. But it's also what inspires us, and we need an escape from. So right. it what it's what influences a lot of our emotions into our music. And mm-hmm. then live, we just try to portray it with positivity because it's a way of setting our demons aside you know yeah it's like it's all love and it's like that's where we get our inspiration from but we're not a depressing band and we're not a band that promotes being depressed and being sad but it's just where we get our inspiration from and we hope that what we write can you know relate to someone and they can feel the emotions that we feel with it and yeah just we want to bring we want to bring our emotions out on paper but you know portray it positively
0: so it's like a Transfer of energy. It's a cathartic experience to be able to capture yeah. that negativity and let it out, but let it out in that positive way.
1: Exactly. So we try to, yeah, a lot of, so a lot of, but yeah, it is very. It's a depressing album. A lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the lyrics and a lot of the music and everything comes from our various mental states. So right, but I think it's cool because it really does. It it brings a an amount of raw emotion into the stuff.
0: Right. And I think that's what kind of led me to the band in the first place was hearing that passion, you know, hearing that raw emotion that you portray not only through your vocals, but also through the instrumentation, everything that makes Alone alone. So I totally get that. The question I would have to you, and this doesn't apply to me, but I know sometimes people look at, you know, heavy bands and they've got you know these depressing lyrics and they're like oh no if people listen to that that's going to make them quote unquote more depressed and i don't necessarily feel that way because i actually feel better when i listen to music like this because it's more like real life to me and i just wonder yeah. what your opinion is on that kind of thing
1: so i i agree. i'm pretty much all in, all in agreement with you i don't i don't think that necessarily lyrical content and a band being the way they are necessarily influences people, but I do think how artists act influence people, because the biggest thing that I notice, and I'm not even against this, I love love SoundCloud rap, and I love all that shit, Mm -hmm. but the one thing that, because this is just something that just, it just irks me a little bit, but I just hate seeing all these fucking 16 to 18-year-old kids getting face tattoos with no significant other tattooing, thinking that they're the shit, and it's all about clout, and they're just like, it's like, think about your future a little bit. And I do right. think that, so I think it has an influence, but I don't necessarily think it's the lyricalness. I think it's how you act. And I think that if you have depressing lyrics, but, you, but you're, you're a good band and you're good people, you know, I think that's, that plays a bigger part of it than the lyrics themselves.
0: Right. Yeah. How you carry yourself, how you act as a role model to the people that are listening to you, that
1: kind of thing. Exactly. I think that's super important. So then, and not to
0: put you on the spot or anything like that, but when you have something, I'm sure you are well-versed in the scene. So you can take something like, I think it happened like two weeks ago, when you have Franz hit a security guard in the back, even though he is technically protecting his fans, that's got to look pretty bad. I mean, that would be the way you would think you shouldn't act.
1: Yeah, but... The other thing is it with Franz, I, I, I love Franz. I I bet everything Franz does. Yeah. And I think at the same time, he's, he's selling an image. Right. And so that's kind of where it's like, I, I see in a, in a moment like that, it's like, maybe I I don't necessarily think violence is always the right way, but with he, he, he does promote a very positive thing and I'll do anything for my fans. And if you support me, I'll support you. Right. But then he does have that kind of fuck you mentality. And so I just. With a situation like that, it's kind of like I see where you're coming from because it gets everyone all gets everyone's feathers wrestled a little bit and everyone's talking about it. but I definitely can see how it could come back on him. but with someone like Franz, I actually don't think it really I think he he has a big he has a big amount he has a big line where where you cross it or a lot of people can cross the line His line's a little bit bigger than ours, you know yeah,
0: I would say that for sure and what the only thing that I wanted. From that situation was I wanted film of or video of what happened before that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's saying he's standing up for the fans and I believe him, but I would really love to see what that security guard was doing to
1: make him lash out so violently. Yeah, I would love to see it too. And I think, uh, and I, I'm just paraphrasing here, but I, from a lot of looking into the tweets from it and hearing other artists comment on the situation, I've heard that that venue has apparently had problems in the past with their security being like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, I don't know necessarily what the context in that show was, but, you know, it could have been as simple as he saw it happen a couple times, and he's like, and he hears all the rumors and all the shit, and he's just like, you know what, I'm going to be the one that puts a stop to this. Right. So I can't put necessarily put it into context, but there's a lot of gray area there. So I do see what you're saying.
0: Oh, for sure. And I don't know about you. I mean, you played probably, have you played Vegas before? We actually haven't. That's oh, the no. one
1: big city on the West Coast we have not played yet.
0: Interesting. All right. And I've been to Vegas a bunch of times, but I've never actually seen a show in Vegas.
1: Yeah, we've all been to Vegas a bunch. We've never
0: played. Interesting. All right. Is that something you would want to do, though?
1: We would love to. It's it's always been the shitty politics of booking tours and stuff like that. Whenever we have tried to plan to go to Vegas, either the date isn't available or the promoter ends up being sketchy and the Uh. show didn't
2: exist
1: or... It's that every every shitty promoter excuse in the book, <laughs> it's happened to us in Vegas.
0: Right, okay. And you've got to be pretty well-versed in that because we had talked off-air, and obviously, you know, I've had Joe Taylor from Versus on the show before. You were Versus tour manager for a bunch of years, right?
1: Yeah, I was, uh, for the last, like, two years, I was tour managing them uh, regionally and nationally. Whatever they were doing, I would... So yeah, I got a lot of experience in that. And then I've done it with Joe on the side and then I tour manage my band and I've done it for a couple other things. So I I have a lot of experience in seeing like I've been I've seen shows in Vegas and shit on that.
0: Right. And when you were, you know, doing that tour managing, were you also still playing in a void at the same time?
1: Yes. Yeah, okay. the whole time I I, play, I try to plan my work shit around now, a void.
0: Oh wow. Okay. So you were able to balance all of that together. Now, as a tour manager, and I know there are some that travel, there are some that don't. Were you traveling with verses at that time as well?
1: Yeah, every time I've been in a tour manager position, I've been on the tour.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah. So you have a ton of experience. What is an average day like for someone that's doing tour managing if your band's not playing on the bill?
1: An average day for someone who's tour managing when your band isn't on the bill, usually, depending on how your situation with the band is, uh, I got stuck with all the the night driving duties. Ah, okay. So, so for example, a day in the life of Versus was I usually drove until about 5 to 8 in the morning, and then I would go to bed, and then I would wake up at 2, usually about right before we got to the venue. Everyone would wake me up because I have the day sheets, and I would assess parking, get the band all parked. get everyone go into the venue touch base with the promoter yep. kind of figure out what's up where merch goes where you want to put our gear all that kind of stuff and then really after that it's just damage control once you get everything where it's <laughs> supposed to be you just kind of got to keep your eyes on everything you know go help run merch if they need it make sure the band's doing all right make sure the venues i try i make a big effort to make sure the venue's doing all right, right I, oh, okay okay if the promoter or security guard or anyone needs anything and they're short on hand or stuff like that, because the other thing is there really isn't a lot of money in music, and I understand that, especially right. when it comes to shows. And I know a lot of promoters have to cut expenses, especially in this day and age, to make shows even happen and make it be profitable on both ends. So I get that some venues are either short staffed or whatever it is. So, as when the damage control comes into the play, I try to make the venue an account to that is not just the artist yeah, yeah. and then yeah you watch their set versus is a little crazy and i like to break shit so i yeah. usually have to <laughs> stand on the side of their stage and wait for something to go wrong and run out and fix it gotcha. and then yeah you just settle up at the end of the night make sure everything's there make sure double count it you know and yeah. make sure no one's trying to fuck you and then it's off to repeat the next day
0: exactly wow that's very impressive and i don't think everyone really knows what being a tour manager is really like so that's cool to hear was there any time and maybe not even just with versus but with avoid or anyone else you were working with where you had such a shitty venue and shitty promoter that you had to pull the plug or something ridiculously crazy happened
1: it's definitely it's happened multiple times uh Uh, honestly the most amount of times it's happened is probably with avoid just because i've been I've always been booking our tours, so even when, in, especially in the early, early days when we used to be a band called Avoid the Void, yeah, yeah, without, when we were all young and dumb and not <laughs> new to this, we definitely got taken advantage of a couple times or had uh, shitty situations where the promoter had fucked us over. And but we've learned from all of them, right? Yeah, so we, we, I could probably, I mean, I definitely have stories for you, but as far as our mindset on it, we try and not dwell on those, because right? Exactly. We're like I said, we're all about positivity. So even in the shittiest of situations that we could be in, we'll find a way to make it positive.
0: Well, that is really a great skill to have because obviously, when you're going to be going out on these major tours coming up soon, so you're going to be also being tour manager that whole time as well.
1: Yeah, the whole time that whenever Avoid's on the road, I am our tour manager.
0: That's great because then I would assume you save a little bit of money. And, Save and, a lot of money because yeah. I don't take a cut. They're, wow, you don't take a cut at all. No. Nah. Oh, wow, man, you're like a perfect band.
1: <laughs> no, <Nah>, I mean <laughs> the way I think about it, though, we all work really hard in our separate ways.
2: Right. Like
1: right, right. for for example, like our our guitar player and our bass player mixed and recorded our whole album. Like oh, they put cool. a ton of work in it. Like all of us have different traits that make our band pretty much a well oiled machine without a lot of outside help.
2: So uh, I
1: kind of you think of it as holding my weight to my part of the portion because everyone's working so hard. Wow. Very and all cool. the money we have, we're making because it's not a ton. It just goes back into the band and making sure we have merch for everyone every night, making sure it gets into our gas tank, maybe get a little per diem so we can all eat. But it really yeah. – um, all the money we make, we try to have it just go straight back into the band.
0: Wow, that's great to hear. All right. Very nice. So let me – take it back for a little while you mentioned being avoid the void and obviously you change your name you cut that off you are a void now but originally and i think i have this right you put out one ep as avoid the void correct the trenches or the trench yes okay yeah the trench the trench yes so i guess the best question would be going from the trench to now alone what did you do differently in your writing process? What would you say was the biggest difference between that EP and this full length?
1: I, I think a lot of it has to do with age. You okay. know, we, we grew up, like when we, a lot of the songs that were on the Trench EP were songs that we had been playing for two years prior before even that point. Cause we've always been very focused on being a live and touring band. Mm-hmm. So we were touring and playing shows and doing headline shows in our hometown before we even had a single out. I um, avoid the void. Okay. So we've always been about kind of grind. And we, we always had music to sell, but it was like shitty demo tapes that we literally, we would uh, like print them off of a computer. And then instead of just getting paper, we would uh, fold up magazine covers so they uh, looked cool
2: into yeah, yeah. to
1: see these things. And that's how we would sell our music around. But we never nice. focused on writing. And so when we did the first album, we didn't even, it was just all the songs were written and ready to go. And we didn't even think about writing them because they were done. Gotcha. And then I think just going from that and then just growing up for a couple of years, because I believe I was either 15 or 16, I think 16, when we tracked the Trench EP. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I'm now 20. And majority, I was 19. We tracked a lot of this album. Right. Wow. And so that, and that was a big year, three year difference in our growth because we were touring a lot in those three years and playing a lot of shows and mm-hmm. meeting a lot of people. And we got signed. and So, you know, we had a lot of growth in those three years. So I think it was just maturing
0: did anything change in the way you wrote everything
1: um yeah it definitely the way we write usually kind of goes with our guitarist nick comes to us with a riff and he's mm-hmm. it whether it's a riff or a whole song all the way out but he has the building blocks of what that song is going to be mm-hmm. and then everyone kind of produces it rather than i think when we wrote the trench ep we would just jam out in our band room and that's how we would write songs but now we write songs very much so like pen to paper. We pre-pro everything out and we write our songs and then learn them.
0: Oh, okay. So now yeah. do you have like, is it fits of brilliance or do you actually sit down and say, okay, I have to write to finish this?
1: As far as lyric writing or just writing in general? Melodies
0: or lyric writing?
1: Melodies and lyric writing. Usually I, a lot of it comes like, like I, I, Something comes to me, and then I build off of it. Okay. It's it, it, usually if I if I put myself in a position where I'm like, okay, at four o'clock tomorrow. I have to sit down and write a song. I can't feel creative like that. Gotcha. It makes me. It makes it feel like a job, and I'm on a schedule. And I just I don't feel like that's a good way for me to find my best creative state. Right. Because that's how I work for Olivia, a living. Because I'm when you're a booking agent and you're booking shows and you're tour managing, everything's on the time. Right. And right. so my whole life is on a schedule. So when I get creative, I have to just be in a very clear something. And so if I'm just walking through my house or whatever I'm doing and then a, a melody comes into me and I start humming something mm-hmm. and then I sit down and then I work on it and I don't even look at the clock and I just work for a minute.
0: Ah, OK. Yeah. I mean, if your life is completely scheduled like that, that makes complete sense. OK. Yeah. So let me also pivot from that. And when I mentioned how much I love Alone, I'm also a really huge fan of your vocals because you're doing cleans and uncleans, right? Yes. So how do you decide on what you're going to make clean and what you're going to make unclean? Because I know also doesn't Jason do some backing vocals as well?
1: yes jason does uh some backing vocals and has some screaming parts like prominent that he just does and mm-hmm. same with our guitarist nick he has uh there's some songs where he sings part of the chorus and he has his own singing parts too and so there is a little bit of everyone it's not just me singing on the album which i really like because i like hearing different voices because i think right. we all complement each other well oh
0: yeah for sure so then yeah how do you guys work that all out of who will be doing the screaming at this point, the clean vocals at that point, does it have to do with what the lyrics actually are, or is it more of a feeling? It usually goes off of feel.
1: Okay. We like to, we like, if if it doesn't sound right, then that usually says something to us, because it's like, we can have the happiest lyrics on the most depressing song, and it will sound, but the, if the melody sounds right, it'll sound right. Right. But if it's like, you know, so we try and make sure it fits the part, and so if we write a part and it's, screaming and we listen to it back and it's like that didn't sound right we've gone back and we're just like well maybe we should try singing there and so we kind of just we play we play with it until we feel like it fits all
0: right and i guess with studio time you have the ability to do that i would also think that when you're doing these tracks live that having a lot of different people fill in with vocals makes it a lot easier on yourself as well right
1: (laughs) oh it helps a lot because our some of our lyrics go fast and I lose breath
0: right. <laughs> Ah yes sure <laughs> Now bringing up you know losing breath and everything how did you get started in vocals in the first place and did you have any like formal training for it? So this
1: is a, I'm actually a drummer first I, right. yeah. I I played drums my whole life mm-hmm. and singing in a band when I, when I was a little kid dreaming of being a rock star I was dreaming of being a drummer in a band. Gotcha. So it was, so I, I loved drums first. And I started playing drums when I was like four years old. And wow. so that was my first love. And so I did that, kind of picked up how to play power chords on a guitar. But really, I was a drummer up until middle school. And that's because that's when Avoid The Void started. But I was in middle right. school and I was like 13 or 14 with my buddy. And it was just him and me. He played guitar and I our buddy Shaq and I played drums. And it was like just generic power cordy pop punk stuff and then we met our now who's still in the band nick at a camp that summer and then we kind of started where nick also plays drums but he plays guitar like he plays guitar so well and so we would take turns where uh i would play drums and he would play guitar and sing and then the next song he would play drums and i would play guitar and sing and we did that for a little bit and we kept then we started looking for a singer didn't find anyone we liked and then i finally was just like the guy was like yeah no, I'll fucking do it and then we uh met our first drummer uh our buddy David he who we went to high school with who uh yeah he was in the band up until pretty recently and he uh yeah and then that was the band from there and so that was kind of where uh the birth of being a frontman started was ah fuck it no one else will do it so I guess <laughs> I will
0: <laughs> very cool now since then have you had any training or is it just more you're just able to do this
1: um, a little bit of both. I, I've never had uh formal training, okay. but I like to learn. And so I, I take tips whenever I can get them. And right. I've watched videos and I, uh, my drum teacher actually was formally trained in singing too. 'Cause I oh. took drum lessons and right. so he actually gave me he gave me some vocal lessons when he found out that I started singing in the band and then eventually I stopped taking drum lessons because I just needed to focus on singing. So right. I definitely I I'm not formally trained, but I've gotten a lot of direction along the
3: way.
0: Okay. All right, that makes sense. So then the album, this album as a whole yes. with Alone. I notice a lot of different genres of or sub-genres of rock music. When I talk about it, I hear new metal, post-hardcore, metalcore, you know, some heavy rock influences in there as well. How did you, or as a band, how did you guys decide this is what sound we're looking for? I guess is the right way to say it.
1: I guess a good way to say that is we didn't. Okay. we we right. wrote what We, we kind of just started writing what we wanted to write. We didn't mm-hmm. want to think about, we didn't want to think about being a genre. Like this is going to be a metalcore album. This is going to be a rock album. This is going to rock. Heavy rock was definitely the blanket. That was the idea we had going in. So sure. heavy rock means a lot of things. Yeah for sure. So we, we only ever called it heavy rock because that gave us a lot of freedom to, if we were, we were listening to a lot of heavy music that week, we were feeling like we wanted to write a heavy song. We were listening to a lot of just rock ballads that week. We wanted to write a lighter song, (laughs) but we definitely just kind of wrote what we wanted to write. And Nick, especially, like I said, he is a majority of the songwriting process when it comes to starting with, since starting with whatever Mm -hmm. it is that he's doing. So he, he takes a lot of influences from everything, as well as a lot of us when we come in to produce it and like, hey, make this one a little bit more like this, and make this one a little bit, you know, we all are just kind of barking orders at what we like this week, and it all just comes together.
0: Yeah, and it definitely did, obviously. I mean, thank the album, you, thank yeah. Thank you
1: so much. And I can't thank you enough for all the great things you have to say about the album, and it really warms my fucking heart.
0: Oh, no, absolutely, man. I'm really happy to have you on the show. This is kind of one of those things where when the first singles came out, I was like, yeah, I have to have a void on the show. At some point oh, yeah, it's going to happen. So, yeah, I am very glad to have this happen. So, when you're talking about listening to different, you know, genres of music or different artists and then letting that kind of shape or mold, you know, what songs you happen to be working on, where do you normally take your influences from? And, and the reason why I ask is because there are some bands that come on the show and they say while they're actually recording, they don't listen to anything else because they're just looking for, you know, whatever is coming to their mind. But then there are other bands that definitely are like, hey, this is a style of music that I'm listening to and that's affecting the way I want this album to come out. So how did you guys work
1: through that? I think we have both kinds of those people in the band. Okay. And that's what makes it cool. Nick is very much so he will, he'll write something and he'll only listen to that and try and find everything that's wrong with it and Uh, just perfect himself till the cows come home. mm -hmm. And then Jason and I, uh, we're always listening to music and Jason really, Jason really loves like bands like Paris and like that kind of upbeat, like Rocky, poppy, Rocky sound. Mm -hmm. And I'm, into literally everything, oh, and okay. so I think a lot of it comes into. And Nick too, Nick will all we all. Nick loved music and is always listening. To, but when we're in the writing process, he's critiquing himself a lot. And then I think Jason and I are kind of like, dude, this is hot right now. Maybe add a little bit of this into it, and add a little <laughs> bit of that into it. And so, it kind of comes from all of those areas. Gotcha.
0: Now, when you go into the studio and you're recording alone was there any track in particular that took you longer than others? Like, did you have all the writing completely done by the time you hit the studio or did you have to write while you were there?
1: No, we were writing a majority of the time we were recording this album. Okay, It was, it was a little, it was, so we, we kind of went out to, uh, we were only going to do an EP and we had the EP written. Ah, I see. So we were going to, we were going to do an EP Uh, Like a five-song EP or a six-song EP, Mm -hmm. we had either all those songs, or I think we still had one song right. We still had to write the sixth song, but we had we had those songs ready to go, and we wanted to get it done by December, which did not even a little bit happen. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) um, so uh, and eventually it got to like March or February. I forget exactly when the switch happened, but we were talking to Revival, and we were talking just figuring out well it's taking so long and we don't like this song and we don't like that and then sean was like well how about you guys write a few more songs right we were like what do you mean and, and we'll do a full length and we'll push your release date back and we'll do all that and we'll and we'll do a full length and it'll be a full length album instead of an ep and so then we uh, wrote some more songs actually and we actually Mac from versus actually helped write two of the songs uh, that ended up making the album bloom and Thoughts of You.
0: Ah, very cool. Uh,
1: so shout out to Mac. Got to give him some writing credit on that. He, uh, he helped us out with those immensely. And those are two of my favorite songs. So I'm really happy he did. But yeah. those were two of the songs that we wrote last for the album. Okay. And that was after like 28 Days and yeah. Hate Me and all of those songs that had already been recorded and ready to go. We then wrote those songs and added them to the album.
0: Ah, okay. So then... When Sean comes to you and he has this conversation, does that put a lot of pressure on you? You know, you talk about, you know, being very freestyle when you're writing and when you're trying to, you know, get inspiration. So when Sean comes to you and says, hey, how about you write some more songs and we'll push this date back? Did that add pressure to you or you were just like, yeah, let's do it?
1: Um it added pressure to everyone else. Okay. I, I, I'm definitely the, the go-getter that gets way too up in my own head and thinks we can do everything even when we can't. Ah, and okay. so uh, when when we're opposed to something like that, everyone's like, Oh fuck, can we do this? And I'm like, come on guys, come on guys. Don't even think about it. Let's just go. Let's
2: just go. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. Let's
1: just do it. Just do it. Come on. Come on. And right. so, uh, but it definitely added a lot of stress and it did make it. So I wouldn't, I don't want to say we had to rush things, but it definitely we had to I had to get comfortable in my non-creative element. Ah, Because Things did have to get done in a certain time. And if I wasn't feeling inspired, I had to find a way to get inspired.
0: Right. But I guess it was good in the situation to have that happen, because now, you know, in the future, you can still write the quality that you're looking for
1: under that kind of timeline well thank you so much man that's cool to hear and yeah it's it's really nice to know and it makes us it makes us really excited to work on future stuff because yeah. i think the biggest thing from this album process we're so happy with it but we learned a lot from it and how we want to do it and how we not want to do it the next time and i mm-hmm. think it just makes us excited for the future now that the first one's done we've done it ourselves we wrote it and recorded it all ourselves in the
2: okay. time
1: span we've done it it's over Now we definitely want to spend a little bit more time on the next one, start thinking about writing earlier. Because that's the other thing. We've never thought about writing. We've always been a very live focused band. And -hmm. so when we had to sit down and write an album, it was like, oh fuck, how do we do this? We've (laughs) never done it before.
0: Right. And now and I I would think, and maybe this actually leads kind of into the next question I had as well. So one of the other big differences between the trench EP and you know the full length alone. Is that you signed with Revival Recordings, and you, sa- and you signed? What was that around January of this year?
1: Yeah, we got announced to the label of January of this year. We actually we uh, we got offered a record deal in early September, so this time last year. Ah, okay. And then we uh, we went out and we uh, signed our record contract in uh, in December, but we but we agreed to all the terms way before that. So yeah, but we signed about. Probably, I'd say. October of last year is when we, like, finally got the the final contract and said, okay, this is good to go. But our whole thing was we didn't want to sign our first record contract at home in our bedrooms. So right. we flew out to North Carolina and signed it in their office.
0: Ah, okay. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Down in – what's in Raleigh, right? Yeah. 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 Very cool. All right. So let me ask you this then because we had kind of talked about this a little bit before. Obviously, I've had Joe Taylor from Versus on the show for a while. And, you know, we've talked back and forth. And on our last conversation, what he had to say about the label, and I think people know that Versus is no longer on Revival. So, with how close you were, or, or still am, with Joe, did that weigh on your mind at all when you were deciding to sign with Revival Recordings or not?
1: Well, of course it did. I can't. I can't say it didn't. You know, that's he's he's one of my best friends in the whole world, and I spend so much time with him. Right. And uh, and actually, it's it's cool to say since then, him and Sean are actually on really on on good terms. Oh, that's now. great to hear. Okay. And so really cool to hear. But uh, of course, I mean, hearing hearing uh, what they said was going on on their end and what they didn't like I mean, we definitely definitely was in our minds. But uh, Aaron from Revival had been, uh, actually already managing us for a while. Mm-hmm. And so we were very, so we, I've had, and when I met the revival people, I was actually on tour with versus in Alice Santa. Right. And so I, I, I had a, I was lucky enough. I had enough time to get my own interpretation of them as people and what I think that they could do for the band. And mm-hmm. so I think we just went into it with a different mindset and we, we made sure that we got what we wanted and, no, I have nothing but positive things to say about them. They've done everything that we've asked them to do, and you know they they support us and they love us. They show like I said, they show us nothing but love. We did Warp Tour with their crew. Yeah, like we love we love Revival and we love those people.
0: That is very good to hear. I am very happy to hear that for sure. So let me ask you this then: going and deciding to sign with Revival, being such a young band who now has you know a great debut full length album. You're going to have now this time, as you mentioned, to start writing that second album is one of the reasons why you signed with Revival, because you would be able to talk to someone like Sean, who's such a vet, to see how you guys should start writing possibly. Like, is it that kind of like veteran advice that
1: can help you in the future? Yeah, I, that, that definitely was part of it. Our biggest thing with Revival is we saw a label that actually cared about us and we saw, and it wasn't there because they're not a massive, massive label by all means, but they, they definitely, they have their footprint in the scene and they, uh, but they they we have a lot of freedom with on that label yeah they they really they let us do our visions and what we want to do and so we but they give us direction and i really we are i was a big alice Santa fan growing up was, oh of course i followed sean for a while and so it's really cool to have now that person giving us advice and kind of helping us be able to do things and kind of figure out what they did because they came up on the diy just touring ground and pounding. Yep. all the fucking way and so kind of listening to what he did in 2005 2006 to kind of build his band from the ground up and then taking those things applying them to the new rules of 2018 because if anyone doesn't know the music industry is changing like at 8 billion miles an hour oh and it's, yeah it's different every day yeah but you know <laughs> taking those things that worked for them and applying them into 2018 and that's been the coolest thing is being able to pick his brain and have him be like yo you guys i think adding a second chorus in this song would make it way better but you know but you know but it was never like you have to do this it was like hey my opinion of this is it would be better and then we would go through and do it and be like huh you know you're right and it was and it's all been positive you know we've never felt forced or good into anything they've been just nothing but positive and happy about our vision
0: yeah i mean that sounds the way you paint that picture. Makes everything sound like this is a perfect combination. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah, really, we're really, really happy to be in the position we're in. Very cool. So I'm
0: gonna have some random weird questions because, like I said, I talked to Joe and he has some things he wants me to ask you. So, oh boy,
1: is this gonna, is hold up <laughs> the P story?
0: <laughs> is that gonna come up? That was one of them. Yep. I wanted to take away your punchline. You did, son of a bitch. <laughs> 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 well then do you want to go into that then
1: oh fuck i mean why not everyone knows it by now i love that it's <laughs> hilarious
0: so right, uh, after you go ahead
1: but has he told it before do you know it
0: no i don't know it i don't know it. this is all i think this will be new for the uh, i mean a significant portion of the audience for sure and yeah i don't i don't like things being ruined for me so once he told me ask him about the p i was like well that has to lead to some kind of a story
1: Oh, it's a great story. All so right. uh, this is the story of we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in February of 2017 on the Alice Santa tour that ah, Versus yes. on. is sure. on. And uh, so at that time, I was I was 18 on that tour, mm-hmm. so I couldn't even go anywhere near a bar. Right. So, and I was the I was the only underage person on that whole tour. Wow. So that must I, have been I. uh that usually happens. and I get yeah. stuck being by myself a lot.
0: Right. Okay. Uh.
1: So <laughs> I. Uh, everyone went out to. Joe was at a strip club. Mm-hmm. And I was. Uh, I was on the versus bus with. Uh, Josh, their guitar player. He didn't want to go out that night. Uh, and I think one other person was there. I don't remember. But uh, everyone was out at the or at a strip club. Whatever they were doing. Everyone went out in the town. And I was just like, "Fuck it! I'm just gonna stay in the van, do my thing." And I was really thirsty. And we had, uh, we had a pack, packs of Gatorade in the back and I had been drinking orange Gatorade all day. Okay. And so, uh, I went back and, uh, I mean, it was half drank and there was like five half drank orange Gatorades back there. So I'm like, fuck it. One of these has got to be mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I drank it and it was most definitely not orange Gatorade. <laughs> it was a bottle of orange Gatorade that had a little bit of orange Gatorade in it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, good old Joe Taylor took a pee in the back of the van and forgot to, uh, Put the bottle of pee in the front garbage can. So uh, I took a nice little swig of his piss and swallowed it because I didn't want to spit it out on because the bus was loaded and we didn't have a trailer. All right. the gear was in the bus in the back lounge and I was in the back lounge when this happened. And I didn't want to be a dick and spit pee all over everyone's gear. So I was like, oh, fuck. So that was very so nice I of you. I swallowed it and I puked. Yeah.
0: Oh, jeez. Well, wait. Did you puke outside? So hard. Did you puke outside, though? Yes. Okay. See, look. So you're the nice guy.
1: Yo, yeah, dude. I still, even in that situation, I homied my friends out of it. Exactly. So
0: I think, really, besides Joe being very inconsiderate and not getting rid of his urine, also... Like a
1: fucking asshole. And then he tries to say, it's my fault. You know, you got to only drink what's yours. Like, don't (laughs) fucking pee in orange Gatorade bottles and make it not look like there's pee in it.
0: Well, also, and correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure that Gatorade bottles are clear and then they have the coloring in the drink itself. So if you're there and it looks orange and there was only a little bit, then I'm more worried about Joe's pee. Than oh, am... yeah. He
1: was really sick.
0: Yeah, <laughs> because if I'm not mistaken as well, I think the first time that I talked to Joe on the show, he had pneumonia. And I think it was oh. on that tour or right when it was done. Yep, that was. It was Joe's pneumonia piece. (laughs) Yeah, that adds a a whole nother level to that whole situation. I didn't even think of that until you brought that up. Wow, that's that's fucking hilarious.
1: (laughs) Yeah, dude, it was a that was a rough fucking night, man. I would imagine. Wait, so. And then I had to drive. They still made me drive after that because everyone was drunk.
0: I mean, the flu is something you can catch from bodily fluids. I mean, is pneumonia something you can catch?
1: Did you end up getting pneumonia? I don't even know. No, I was fine. Okay. All right. I was totally fine. It didn't bother me. It didn't, besides the fact that I had to live with the fact that I drank Joe Taylor's pee.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But. It is just funny to hear.
1: But yeah, no, it didn't it didn't get me I didn't get sick from it or anything.
0: Okay. All right. Well, yes, that was he mentioned that as a story. The other thing, this is the last throw you under the bus story that he wanted me to bring up. But I was right. also I don't even know how this is a story, but he said there was a time that you were coming up in the scene and you tripped over a mic cord.
1: Oh, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I got turned into a meme in our local scene oh no oh god this was like fucking probably four or five years ago and yeah I was on stage I was feeling myself it wasn't a mic cable it was it was water I I poured water on my head and there was water on the stage oh so you literally slipped Oh, yeah, and someone, and it was a Snapchat video of all things, so someone just happened to be recording for the right, this was like five years ago, so you could only do ten seconds on Snapchat? Gotcha. And I was like, this motherfucker got the only ten seconds of the set that I fell, (laughs) and it was such a good angle, and it just made me look so bad. How was the recovery like?
0: Like, while you are on, I mean, obviously you were about to play, so were you able to recover?
1: Oh, this was mid set. Yeah, this was mid song. Okay. I was just like, I just took the tumble and kept rolling with it.
0: Oh, there you go. So you did the right thing.
1: Oh yeah, fuck it. I mean, I fall <laughs> all the time now. It's just not as embarrassing.
0: Ah, uh, I got you. Yeah, no one Snapchatting you at that exact moment.
1: Well, I wasn't trying to fall. It was I well, didn't no. know how to. I didn't know how to move on a stage at that point. So got I you. only stood in the front. Now oh. I fall because I'm running back and forth and shit, and I do trip on things. And usually I just fall with pride, and it's funny.
0: Right. And that makes sense. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the show of how much work you're doing to get everyone involved. So that's going to happen for sure.
1: Yeah, but I had shame back then. I don't have shame anymore.
0: (laughs) Well, being in a band will do that to you, right?
1: Yeah, now I don't give a fuck. I used to give way too much of a fuck.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great. All right. So those were the two stories.
1: The I thought Joe was going to bring up the... Those were were pretty easy because I know... If you know Joe, then you probably know how much you like to smoke weed, Oh, for sure, yeah, the better story is the time he gave me my first dab it almost killed me. <laughs> I forgot how to breathe
0: <laughs> that's how strong it was is you completely just forgot how to breathe
1: well, so i I am very very I smoke a lot of weed now, but at that that was like two and a half years ago, and I did not smoke a lot of weed back then. I didn't know anything about it and him and Nick from my band, being yeah. the great friends they are, I was They've been telling me, dude, you gotta try a dab, you gotta take a dab, you gotta take a dab. And I was like, <laughs> fuck it, I'll finally do it. And I'm right. like, but you guys have to give me a really little one. Like, like, don't fuck me up. Like, I'm just trying to ease into this, like, I'm still trying to enjoy my night. Right. And they were like, Yeah, dude, totally. And I didn't know at the time that oil is a lot different than weed. Oh yeah. And so when they they put I thought it was a little dab, and I was like, Oh, that's not that very, <laughs> not very much. Sure, I can do that. And the whole time they're fucking giggling and I'm like, what are, what are you guys doing to me? But I, I didn't suspect anything from that because it was like, it was so small, but it was a ginormous dab. It was huge and it fucked me up. And it was really funny because I forgot how to breathe and I started crying. I thought I was going to die. And it was, it was, it was a, it was a sad moment in stoner Benny world. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's a great story, man. I love that
0: one. Oh people love hearing stories like this so this is just great no dude
1: trust me when we go over to the east coast and we fucking kick it there's videos and everything man
0: no no I, i'm sure there is. and look i'm sure joe didn't want to completely throw you under the bus i mean he knows me well but he didn't want like i think everything to come out well, like on the I show said, on your first I, time i
1: don't have no shame so i'll throw myself under the bus
0: that is true no that definitely That definitely happened. Let let me ask you this, and and this is going to be a more general question because he just gave me a topic, and he said, you enjoy conspiracy theories. Is that true? Oh, I
1: love conspiracy theories. All
0: right, give me one. Give me something that you've been working on because I know you guys went to Area 51. I know my – actually, I haven't made it out there, but my sister, my parents have been to Area 51 before, so – What's a new conspiracy theory
1: that you've been into? I n- well, I haven't been any into any new one. I went off the deep end a couple months ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it was like, and I got like, I got too into conspiracy theories.
0: Gotcha. All right. And
1: I was like, now I was like, Oh fuck. I know too much. Everyone's looking at me. And like, I got too into it, you know? And so, uh, I, so I took a step back from all of the crazy outrageous ones, mm-hmm. and lately I've been into the more realistic, in my opinion, the more realistic ones. So I've been way on simulation theory lately, which isn't as much of a, it means a conspiracy, but it's more so just like a philosophy idea that has conspiracy theories involved. Okay, go on. But yeah, simulation, are you familiar with simulation theory? No, I well, I may if you start explaining it, but I
0: don't know if I know anything that has that title.
1: It's the the idea that the world we live in, we live like in a computer simulation or some type of simulation set up by another type of life.
0: Absolutely. Yes, I have heard many theories on that. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, so that's been the one that I've been way on recently uh, because the biggest thing – I'm also awful at relaying information because I can (laughs) like watch the coolest videos and I'm like, oh, I understand that. And then I try to explain it to someone and it doesn't come off the way I interpreted it. Gotcha. So I apologize if I sound like I'm just speaking fucking gibberish, but no, we're all the, good. But I've just been away on that one lately just because it's, it is real. Like you, if you look at like where technology is now, like think mm-hmm. about how real video games are starting to get. Oh, for sure. And how, yeah. and fucking AI and all that stuff. And kind of think in a hundred to 200 years, we're bound to be able to have some type of simulation theory ourselves that we create. Right. And then you just start thinking about how long the world's been around and all this other shit. And it's, is it really so unlikely to believe that we were the first ones here and the first species that went that far and we could just be controlled by something else, you know? And it's like, if it was, if it was something like a dream state, like think about a really vivid dream that you've had Mm -hmm. and you didn't know you were in a dream, you know, everything feels, you touch a table, it feels like a table, you know, you you're in a dream, but everything is real because of your mind. And it's just like, all these, there's so, but there's just these theories on how that's actually what we're experiencing in everyday life. And yeah, yada yada. it just goes into all these, I can't, I can't even fathom it sometimes, but that's the totally one that I've been way on is that, and then I mean, you can give it JFK, nine eleven, all that other stuff. I can talk for hours about that, but I just <laughs> love, I don't even believe all of them. I just like
0: learning. Right. And I think that is a good way to be because anyone that just dismisses something, you're not learning anything. If you're going to dismiss something, at least learn the side of why something like that wouldn't be possible.
1: Exactly. And then if you look into how corrupt the government is and that like something like a false flag attack on American soil is really, really, it's been thought up before these declassified documents of it. And you realize that the government's thought of it before. It's not out of their mind to do, you know, and you just kind of start putting those like you don't even think about the conspiracy theories. You think about real just declassified documents of shady shit. Like, you don't even have to be a conspiracy theorist to be like, something's not right here.
0: Did you end up, like, freaking out when uh, Tom put out those declassified uh, UFO films?
1: Um, yeah, (laughs) UFOs are weird. So when it comes to aliens... I'm I'm definitely one of those people that believes that we came into contact with aliens forever ago mm-hmm. because a lot of the when we saw like flying saucers for the first time in the 1950s and early 1960s, yeah. a lot of documents show that those were actually like uh, military licensed ships. Right, like, that was our technology, and everyone was thinking, oh my god, we've never seen this before, and they didn't really make a statement about it. But those the shit that we were seeing at that time, that those were those were ships that were registered to our military. Right, right, right and so and then there's all those theories about how we've actually had that technology and then we reverse engineered it from capturing them in area 51 so that's kind of when so i all the declassified ufo footage i'm just i'm skeptical on a lot of it because i just don't know what to believe because i think the alien thing goes way deeper than we can imagine and i also don't think that if aliens exist like like we can maybe capture a couple of them and get their flying saucer material Mm -hmm. but if aliens exist, they're way more fucking powerful than us. Like, not right. even like a little bit. Like, we don't have, we don't stand even a fraction of a chance.
0: Right. It's not like the aliens and signs. They're going to come yeah. down and they're allergic to water and we're 70% water and most of the earth is
1: water. Yeah. And they're going to come down. They're going to be these green Martian things that do the peace sign with their hand. Over. No, they're going to fuck us up.
0: Right. And I'll tell you, I mean, it's not really a conspiracy theory, but do you ever watch South Park? All the time. Yeah. I always really like their idea of Earth being a reality show. Yeah. Like, the aliens just took from every planet and put it on Earth.
1: But that would also kind of tie into simulation theory.
0: True. Very true. Yeah. And I, maybe that's why
1: I liked it from the beginning. Exactly. And so, And But yeah, when it comes to all that conspiracy, my mind has definitely been on simulation theory lately. And that's what I've probably bought into the most lately is that... We live in a simulation and all that shit. Especially because people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Elon Musk back it. And Mm -hmm. if they back it, they're smart as fuck. They are smart as fuck. That is very true. I write music. I don't have time to study that shit. If they say it's smart, (laughs) then I believe it.
0: That's right. Well, I'm going to have to have you back on the show just to talk about some of that stuff for sure. So before we wrap up everything here, because I was looking at the time, I don't want to take too much more of your time.
1: Oh, dog, you're all good. I'm chatting.
0: Thank you, man. I appreciate that. So. What I definitely want to check on is obviously Alone just came out. So you're on the very, very early cycle of this album. Yes. But what are some of your next steps? What are some of the plans that you can talk about for, you know, making sure this album gets everywhere it needs to be?
1: I mean, you can just be a lot of new merch, a lot of merch deals, and then a lot of touring. I can't. Uh, I mean, I can't, we're going on tour uh, this October. I can't say with who yet because okay. it's not fully done being all wrapped up yet. But that, yeah. but it's going to happen. So we'll be out in October, November, kind of doing West Coast to the Midwest type mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. And then we'll kind of come back, uh, do some stuff in January and February regionally. And then uh, this March and then 4th is when we're going to really descend into that nonstop touring hitting everywhere we can possibly get. So it's really now it's doing a little bit of touring, then kind of just getting our plan as solid as it can possibly be working some day jobs, you know, saving up a lot of money, Mm -hmm. getting getting ourselves into a position that we can just fully immerse ourselves into living in a band.
0: Very cool. All right, Benny. Well, once again, I think this is a good place to stop tonight because we covered a ton. Once again, I never lie on this show. I love alone. And I am really, really happy to have you on the show and to have this conversation because I obviously had a lot of fun. I think the album is great and I've been spreading it around. So hopefully people are listening and checking it out. I'll have links in the description of the episode so everyone can follow you on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Also make sure to get merch and everything like that. All the links will be there. But for right now, what's the best way for people to support you?
1: The best way for people to support us is really just pick up the new album, you know, stream it, buy it, buy merch, just be, make yourselves known, comment on our, you don't have to buy anything, like, just support. Just let, make yourselves known that you just don't have money, we don't care about any of that. We just want to know that you're out there and you're supporting us. So just reach out to us on Instagram, send us a screenshot, post something, whatever it is, but just be a part, be, be active.
0: Very cool. Couldn't have said it better myself. Like I said, I will definitely have links so that people can get that very easily. So, Benny, once again, man, this was awesome. I had a lot of fun. I'm a big fan of the band, so it was great to have you on the show. Thank you once again.
1: Dude, thank you, man. I can't thank you enough for all the kind words. I had a fucking blast, and I want to do this again sometime, so let's fucking do it.
0: Absolutely. I am back. The track you just heard was Father Centipede off alone. Big thanks to Benny of Avoid once again for coming on the show. That was a lot of fun and what great stories. I bet you didn't expect that. I know I didn't, but it was great. Make sure to support Benny and Avoid by following the links in the description of the episode and make sure to pick up Alone on Revival Recordings. Speaking of Revival, Another thanks goes to Haley for helping set all of this up. Much appreciated. And if you liked what you heard, you can follow the other links in the description to support me, Ian Hates. We're going to end tonight with a track by myself, once again, off the new album, Alone. And I will leave you, the way I always do, long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.